feel like a holiday ham, dude. I am holiday ham. I'm a I'm a big slab of holiday meat. Why do you say that? I was a because uh, you ate a big holiday ham. A mountain of grandma's cooking. Oh, that's nice. I brought a whole sampler in there. Also, I brought I don't think you've ever tried pickled eggs in beet juice. You're correct. I have not tried that, and Actually, I will not con- try that. Con- 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 fire. I'm just gonna say it's an old family classic, and I think Polish German. I'm not really sure. It comes from some real ancestral stock there, but. They're the fucking tits. Like, you want to try it? They're very yeah, pink. They're I very mean, pretty. I've had like pickled herring. Pick, you've had pickled herring? Yes. Is it any good? It's not bad. Okay. But I, I've also had like fermented shark from Iceland. So that shit's like fermented. I already find fish a little bit like, you know, fishy, if you will. And adding pickled on top of that just seems like a, like a flavor disaster in my mouth. You know what? It really wasn't as bad as you'd think. <laughs> All right, let's get this holiday ham show on the road. <laughs> Welcome back to Ebology, everybody, all the students. Hope you're having a great holiday break. Too bad. Class is still in fucking session. I'm your holiday ham, Professor Ricky. Hey, I'm Professor Ethan. I'm finding it. I'm I'm doing pretty good lately on uh, a diet kick, and I'm finding the holidays to be quite challenging. In you're that looking, regard. Gl- you're glowing. Honestly, Thank you. the last couple days. Thank you. I'm I'm I've slimming been meaning down. To tell you that in a couple days, but I'll just do, do it on air. Hey, that's the Christmas gift I was looking for. You're glowing. Thank you. And it's really hard during the holidays because like. I'll go over my family. We're, we're, we, we drink. We drink a good bit in my fam. And no. uh, oh, yeah. My, my grandma has this recipe called bourbon slush where she like puts bourbon and like tea, honey, OJ, all bunch of this stuff. And it freezes as a slurry. The recipe, the content she'll tell us, the ratio is the secret. That's what she keeps. Too little of anything turns into a block of ice. Too much booze, it just stays booze. Right. So she manages down to like, the very precise ratio. So it literally is scoopable with an ice cream scoop right out of the freezer. It's pretty sick. Um, but she will, she'll take that one to to the hole with her. Oh well, hopefully she leaves it. She needs to keep the tradition alive. I mean, I'd be insane to be like, guess what, bitches? You ain't getting it. <laughs> this grandma, she's a, she's she's got a she's got a sharp tongue and even a sharper attitude sometimes. So I could totally see her just giving us the double bird and just like, too bad, fuckers, figure it out yourself. <laughs> we spend all of our lives in a lab, like all the siblings, like, no, no, that's not right. Fuck. Well, you're already in a lab. Oh my god! For all of your life, maybe I should just start. Maybe I should just start now. We have all the amenities here. You could probably figure it out. It would not be that difficult. I, I think that's probably true. I think there's a part of me that wants to leave yeah, that bag. Just a like, little bit of mystery. Oh, easy, because then then it makes it special. Like the holidays, I get like bourbon. Not this year though. I'm being a good boy. I had no slush this year. Wow. And I'm trying to, you know, as much as I want it, I can't. But as much as it's being presented to me, there's parts of me that's just like, fuck, man. I, I really want it. <laughs> I really want that slush, dude. That's the duality of man. But speaking of dualities. Interesting. Today, we're talking about a very interesting show that Ethan slid across my proverbial and almost literal desk. And it honestly is a show that, you know, sometimes shows that we review or we kind of dive into try to do too many things at once. They try to wear too many hats and they kind of half ass them all. And we start to kind of find 
ineffectivities, lack of ability to deliver on any of the promises. <laughs> this show, weirdly, could have rocked either cap and full scent, but it wore both and did it well. And I, I think that this is one of those shows that, you know, it, it had a lot more heart than we were expecting. And it's kind of uh, a beautiful entry into a certain genre that we don't often get to see. So, you know, it's coming, Ethan. I'm going to pitch it real slow. What are we talking about today? This week, we are covering the 2023 Katakawa X Troika entry. Troika entry. Troi- uh, <laughs> overtake. Overtake. An original homegrown. Uh, I think Troika did like the, the story and everything. If you hadn't heard of Troika, I don't blame you. The only show that I have ever seen from the studio was Recreators, which is kind of that reverse isekai baddie girl central kind of show. And it was fine. It was fine. It was it was an okay show. It's kind of a turn your brain off, see how much how harem we harem-y we can get with these battle chicks. But the, they came out of the gate swinging in 2023 with the show that is a sports anime, a slice of life. How would you before we get into what the sport is, how would you even fucking classify it? Yeah, so um, it was definitely a very interesting kind of look at it. I would say it's um, very much falls along the veins of like Netflix sports documentary type shows. That's a nice way to put it. Where you are, you're following either like the underdogs or whatever teams and you're hoping that they like succeed. Uh, You could think of it a little bit like um, what's the football one? Uh, hard knocks exactly like that yeah so i hard knocks i think is one of the first i really did it well um you're not just following the their craft as the sport team but you're following the individuals actually personally right but also like specific teams right and so our main characters all um are kind of involved in one specific team yes like a a, let's just say under underfunded team (laughs) um which is Really common, actually, in Formula Four, and that's our niche sport here. Not, right, not Formula One, as a lot of people are big fans of. Formula Four being just like a a lower tier, like same energy, same idea, pretty similar car designs, just not working with all the, that much raw power, I guess. Right. Yeah. So there's different um, regulations per Formula. Uh, I don't know whatever you would call it ranking tier. Yeah, tier. Sure. So Formula One is obviously the the premier in the sport. Everybody knows about Formula One, or at least has heard about it at some point. Mm-hmm. Formula Two is also similarly quite large, uh, largely watched and funded. Yep. Um, a lot of those teams are like Ferrari Academy teams, or like Red Bull Academy, or etc. Academy. The, the teams. training grounds to kind right. of. It's literally kind of the farm, the farm league. That's exactly right. So it would be uh, like, I would say the analogy would be triple A in baseball, for example. I got you. I got you. Um, So triple A farm teams, you could easily have any of those players be pulled up to the major league at any point. Yeah. Um, Football doesn't really have a good analogy here. It's kind of college ball at that right. point. Right, so yeah. it's NCAA, and then you're basically just a free agent after that. Um, but for hockey, it would be AHL. I didn't, um, know, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, so lots of AHL players get called up to the NHL all the time. They're a lot of times on two-way contracts. Okay. So you can be pulled up or sent down as, as much as the team wants, things like that. But Formula 4 is interesting um, because it is 
the lowest ranking formula, quote unquote, um, uh, like series, uh, still run by the FIA, which runs all of the formula. Quote, uh, they call it formula because it's just like specific sets of rules. Right. The parameters like the are classes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they operate because they and what's what's good about this show. And that's well, I want to talk about the sports anime part of this first and why it make why it's such a good one here is that they do a pretty good job of kind of explaining a lot of the a lot of this stuff and it's like we we're called formula 1 specifically because we're we all operate at with the exact same set of parameters and at that point it's how you fine tune and work within that like x horsepower x you know body kit type and certain measurements and stuff they did a pretty good job as someone i've been very tangential with the formula 1 in general and the formula racing style uh, experience and I've actually managed to go to one Formula One race in my life. W- what a fucking amazing experience to go to that Circuit of the Americas in Texas was so fun, amazing to watch all that. And uh, this show does a very good job for those that are looking maybe to that have ever dabbled in the idea, maybe watch Drive to Survive on Netflix and had had an inkling to uh, get into it. This is one of those anime that do a really good job of make, getting the feet wet of while wrapping it in a package that is much more digestible than maybe just sitting down with the boys at 630 in the morning watching qualities. Right. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, so I would say this show does actually a really good job of following along the lines of like a drive to survive or we're, we're following that like under under funded team. Yeah. And you feel as the like audience, you're like, let's fucking go. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, Haruka, please, please, you, you gotta. Dude, Haruka, you can fuck. Oh, or he like, like, makes time. a bad decision. You're like, no. Or something <gasps> happens to the car, which, which tends to happen. They, they show the full spectrum of what can and can happen on and off the track during a given formula season. Shit goes wrong with the car. The drivers, for whatever reason, just not up to snuff that day, mentally or physically. And, and, you know, with a sport of such precision, any little thing that's off can be the the name of the game, but be it a podium or absolute last place or just out altogether. Uh, And and the drivers know that and they do a good job showing that here, the mentality of the drivers and what it takes to be even at Formula Four, that it takes to be a winner. So I I really enjoy one that first tenant underdog. You got to have it. That makes for any good. Any good sports anime who I guess I, I who wants to watch? I guess some people do the champ trying to defend being the champ or an underdog just absolutely trying to skyrocket like bumps and cracks in the road, but get to the top. Right. I don't know. Any good any good sports story. You got to have an underdog. Just you got to do. I don't know. Um, something else, though, that as another tenant that they didn't do, but I actually really enjoyed here in a lot of sports anime there is that antagonistic force that wall to climb the absolute apex to surmount the underdog squad has to kind of eclipse to make their way to the top while they did have that here it was very much not antagonistic they did a very good job of for the most part being extremely sportsmanlike do you notice that all of the competing, t- the, the competing factions, you can call them competing teams, all really, at the end of the day, were all really sportsmanlike. And I, it's not that often you see from Coracle Basket to high, even IQ, you all the t- rival teams seem to be real fucking dicks, right? <laughs> like real 
top tier assholes to the underdogs. And I don't know. Oh, I think Kuroko Basket does it, or not Kuroko Basket, Haikyuu does it pretty well, where like they are antagonistic while they're playing, maybe. But then afterwards, they're like, respect, homeboy. Yeah, right. And then they kind of like get over it. Yeah. And that's a lot of what you got here. I think this has to be like a like a Japanese interpretation on how the teams would interact. Because they're, they're certainly antagonist, um, which like the basically their main rival, let's just say, is called Belserio. Belserio. So it's like just a team that's funded through the fu- fucking ass. Yeah, no, th- this is like, th- there is... It wasn't lost to me that they were sharing Ferrari's colors, and yeah. it was supposed to be kind of that vibe, like highly funded, well celebrated, great winning history. They just had everything going for them, and uh, you know, you may have had some drivers have spats with the others, or even internal strife. But at the end of the day, it was very much wrapped in a Japanese flavor of decorum, uh, a lot of uh, chivalry, and a lot of sportsmanship was had and I really enjoyed the to the extent they did well you said Haikyuu yes antagonistic real fucking bloodthirsty on the court but off they're all they're all boys they're all trying to like look you got promise I want to help or like you know take the lessons from the beatdown I just absolutely served you on a gold platter look you got a serve that can make a mama cry <laughs> yep but uh still can't beat me bitch but in in this show and overtake you you even go one step further that there's a lot of camaraderie even within like there's some points in the race. We have uh, some what your classic always winning prodigy child golden boy who even when uh, you were getting the underdog on his ass on the track, he's like get fucking respect midway through. Like, this is exactly what I wanted. I want this pressure like right. I want it from you. This is great. So while they did still have that, you know, the tenant number two, the insurmountable wall that needs to be surmounted. They were very cordial about it, and it made for a really positive and cozy atmosphere amongst the combatants, amongst the racers. And yeah, just that one scene that really kind of cheesed me off a bit. He was like, surmount me, daddy. It was so weird. He literally was screaming it over the car engines. But he was like, surmount me, daddy. Surmount me, daddy. Exactly. It was so weird. He did it I don't know where that came from. Uh, in, from his heart. It came from his heart. And from his brain and his penis. It came from all wow. the places. Yeah, so that is the A-side, essentially, story plot. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's this really, really, I think, um, intrinsically important to the story that they're, well, they're trying to tell here, B-side, which is basically this photographer or previous photographer. Yes. Um, he's got like a bit of a mental block going on because of something that's happened in his past. He is contracted to go basically take pictures of uh, GT racing, which is another series. But while he's there doing that, he sees Formula 4 kind of doing their free practice and qualifying laps. And he's just absolutely enthralled from the start. Yes, he has a friend, Enma. He actually did some contract work with a while ago. They became bros. And it turns out Enma is the owner of that Belserino team and... uh, Kind of shows him a little bit of the ropes and like, yo, these cars are fucking wild, dude. And uh, manages to kind of get a little peek into the life and kind of runs into our our main character in that. So to name the players, our cameraman, sorry, photographer, sorry, sorry, uh, is uh, Madoka Koya. And he's he's got a bit of a backstory. We'll get to that in a sec. And he comes across our main driver, the lone driver for the... uh, 
I had all these names fucking nailed down. Komaki. Komaki Motors. Uh, his name is Asahina Haruka. And he, you know, at first comes off, now I wouldn't even say aloof, a little bit spiky, a little bit prickly uh, to, our, to our boy. And he watches the race. He watches him fail due to a malfunction and sees him emotional crying in his, uh, in his garage and snaps a picture. This is a big deal because this photographer has not been able to take photos of individual people, individual subjects, for nearly a decade, over a decade at this point even. So this is a big moment for him. He did it almost on instinct, and this kind of begins the journey of both the main, main driver and our photographer character. Um, I want to, before we get into kind of that B-side, this is another tenant of what I think makes a great sports anime. If you've ever seen how heavy the dumbbells you lift, Hibiki gets into weightlifting. She knows nothing about it, learns the ropes of weightlifting. You talk about Haikyuu, you have the crowd kind of talking about the intricacies of volleyball. Even in Dr. Stone, a show that teaches science along the way, the villagers in that show, like Chrome, know nothing about modern science, and Senku kind of explains it to him. A surrogate to naturally inject stuff about the sport stuff about the thing that the show is wrapped around that is real, be it science, be it sports, is paramount. And how well a show can do this, how naturally it can tie into the story, can make for a really engaging entry into that hobby, that niche, that thing. This show does it, I think, in a very brilliant way. Like, he has, our main character, Koya, he has well, this, this wild urge to be part of this Formula 4 world, but he frequently is blocked by his inability or is just an experience to know anything about the sport and everyone around him is like oh yeah if you're gonna be here you might as well teach you and then boom that's a great entry point for the audience to resonate with the character and learn with him it makes info dumping great it makes exposition about a real thing great this show check absolute check yeah, um, I, I think um, a character like that that comes into a basically unknown field to himself and just is like so like avid for it or like rambunctious to learn. Yeah, I think is a really interesting um, way of capturing a little bit of real life where like when people do that in real life, you you want to talk about your like the thing that you're into, right? Right. Yeah, and you want to explain to them, for example, like. I run a good bit. If somebody is like, I want to get into running, that is a hype thing to talk about. Or let's just say podcasting. If right, somebody sure. or anime, if someone's yeah. like, I want to get into anime, that like is a green light to just litter fucking rip. Yeah, right, right, right. Or if they're like, dude, I just saw this fucking insane anime called Dragon Ball Z. You're like, let's go, boys. This, you clasp the hands together, you fire up the wrinkles, and you let say, it my rip. brother in Christ, <laughs> my, tell me everything. Tell me everything, and I'll tell you even more. And I'll tell you everything. <laughs> so yeah, when and. To have someone be avid about it, and in the shows that I mentioned, they all have a very concrete reason why they're passionate about learning about these things. Chrome fancies himself a scientist of sorts in a pretty, like a prehistoric world, essentially. Hibiki and how heavy are the dumbbells you lift is trying to lose weight and actively trying to go to the gym. And so she is absolutely avid about all things resistance training. And you, now you have Koya who is avid about learning about this sport so he can help drive this underfunded team, Komaki Motors, to a podium spot so he 
can capture, you know, Haruka on that podium because he just was enamored by the kid's spirit, by his uh, by his drive to to win. And that that right there felt so natural and so in line with the character as we learn more about him. It's completely in line with why he's so feverish. Right. And in his character as well, too. It is very well known that Koya is a guy that just like when you give him the inch, he absolutely fucking runs the mile and then some. Right. right. He doesn't even think. He's just like, let's go. Let's let's rip it. I don't, I don't even no more words out of your mouth. We're going to do the thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. I have some friends like that. They're like hard to keep up with in a lot of cases because they're just like so go 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 there i can be like this in some ways when i pick up a new hobby and i'm trying to be better about it i will full send so hard into it that i'll burn myself out before i really like <laughs> i it happens i didn't have it I'm, certainly does i get better at it but uh yeah sometimes i get so excited about a thing that i'm just like i'm going to buy and get all the things and three weeks later i'm like oh right i have to like i don't know invest Time? Like, like time effort brain power ew no i have to stop watching that. youtube for like five minutes oh come ew. on i only watch youtube for like nine hours a day <laughs> nine. we're still in single dit i i probably listen to audiobooks over 15 hours a day yeah i was gonna say nine might be a light day for me yeah. actually <laughs> um fuck yeah so anyway this, this a and b plot kind of are intertwined in a lot of ways because it seems like, for whatever reason, Haruka and his like zest for this sport that he's you know trying his ass off um, in um, seems to be this interesting trigger for our main character, Kyoya, where all of a sudden he's able to take pictures of people again. And it always seems to be uh, related to something that um, Haruka is doing. And so it's sort of this interesting situation where it seems like a big brother uh, kind of scenario where, um, so Haruka's backstory is essentially he's, he's orphaned um, yeah. and he is basically being taken care of by his best friend's dad who was best friends with his dad. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, a little bit <laughs> uh, contrived there, but um, so he's being taken care of by his best friend. His dad's best friend, God. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, and his dad was a formula driver of some sort. They didn't really say whether he was four or above. Yeah, right. Just something um, like that. And he passed away in a fiery crash. And so it, there's a sort of this idea of like, I want to be able to, you know, live up to my dad's legacy. I want to find my own legacy. I think it's more the second one, which I think actually makes it a more complex, potent character driven reason to be in the sport. Haruka is like, you know, he was told that half of the reason why he does it is because of his dad's like accolades in the sport. But we find out later the other half when he was asked, have you ever been on the podium? And he said, yes, once when my dad took me up there when he won a race. I want to know what it feels like to be on there with my own skill. And I found that very compelling because that's a very common trope where it's like, oh, I was shown this world because of my father. Someone close to me brought me to that, what that felt like. But I want to feel it because I got there on my own. And it's more like he's not chasing after 
honoring his dad's legacy. He wants to make his own because he got a taste of the taste of it from his father's like getting there in the first place. Right. Like that. I like that little touch. It wasn't just this typical. My dad did it. I want to. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it for you, dad. No, no, no. His dad showed him a little bit, a little preview. He wants the main fucking show. He wants to be the first place. And I liked, I, I liked that little, not switch up, but just kind of fleshing out of that idea. So that was nice to, nice to see that. Um, and boy, howdy, does he try his ass off? Like he's, he's, he's a driven man. He's yeah. Driven so I, th- I think what's also really good about this show is they show that like, uh, Biska, I'll, I'm going to refer to both of these guys as our main characters, Kyoya and Haruka. That's cool who they are. Yeah. Um, so the driver main character is very gifted at driving. Yeah. He's just being held back by the, essentially the lack of resources that his team has. Um, not for like a lack of trying from any of his team members. So his best friend and his best friend's dad are essentially running the team to help him try to like live his dream. Essentially, by the way, love both these characters. Absolute amazing. Beasts. Yes. So you have uh, uh Kota, who is just kind of like a shortened nickname for him, but he's the son of the owner. So it's Kota Ko- uh, Komaki, and uh, they he's kind of the mechanic, and it's almost like he's. You, I, I would call him a good mechanic, but he's great because he's been on a team with Haruka so long that he just knows he can just adapt to his driving. Like if you think he dropped him in another team's mechanic team, I don't. I think he would be middling, but because him, much like the car that Haruka drives, he's so tuned to the driver that he knows exactly the needs of Haruka, which I kind of like. The vibe I was getting from him is he he is maybe natural, similar to Haruka, and that he is naturally able to under like see what, um, what he needs to change in the car to make Haruka faster. Unrelated to necessarily Haruka, it just seems like he has like a like a, uh, in he's just in tune with the idea of like I'm a race mechanic. And there was a scene later on where they're like talking about how hot the circuit is. I was just going to say this. And, yeah. he, and he's like, so how hot is the circuit? And he goes, mm, at a scale of one to three, I'd say pretty damn hot. I love that. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, I guess Belsario would have been able to tell you like the exact temperature, but I know exactly what to do to help you like, you know, succeed or whatever. So, so you make a great point. He probably is naturally gifted because in a lot of these shows, the ones that are naturally gifted they they commonly will have them be unable to precisely explain. So I need you to vroom and then noom. You mean zoom then no, not zoom, vroom <laughs> yeah. then noom. That Do was you a fucking understanding yeah. conversation that yeah. they had. So the so I think you're right. Uh Kota is just that that good of a mechanic, but he's just like it's not it's pure natural instinct. <laughs> vroom then noom. That's all I'm gonna be saying that going to work tomorrow. Like, all right. We got 10 minutes to work. I can make it eight if I have room and then wait for it. Um, <laughs> um, so you have him and uh, his father, the owner of the team. I'm just going to call uh, Nkomaki. I don't fully remember his first name. Uh, big, big tubs, big King tubs. I'm going to call him King tubs. He's honestly such a quality fucking dude. And there is a scene later. Top tier father in every regard. There's a scene later where he gets an offer from the big daddy team, uh, Belserina. 
Bel- I'm going to keep saying Belserino? <laughs> Help me. Just change it every time. I mean, so ballerina. Um, <laughs> basically, I think that's the way we get, we're going to have to deal with our naming issues from now on is we'll have to just change them every single time we speak. Don't give the students the flashbacks from the Gygax incident. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Gary Gagnac, <laughs> so bad. But big King Tubbs himself, big Kung, big Tubbs Komaki, he basically tells Haruka when he he got an offer from the top team to go drive for them that yeah go do it. And I was like whoa, like there that's a moment where like that could have been a really nice kind of like couple episode arc undertaking. Haruka realizes oh man with all the money and the resources that still doesn't feel like home or they could have done all of that while that did still sort of happen, but for different, I think better reasons having him like be almost a father, a caregiver first and a team owner second was so it just added to this positive vibe that this show gives off. So high marks there for like actual genuine good character writing. Well, I think um, it's it's a little bit even more nuanced than maybe it seems on on the surface because like Komaki knows that this is really like they are trying really hard, but it is a hobby at the end of the day for them. Yeah, like they have like other jobs they have to do. They have all this other stuff they're, that they're going to like have to do. They have to buy shit secondhand. They have to like really really work on tire management yeah <laughs> um like it, it's so expensive to buy tires that they typically will do all the free practice qualification and the race on the same set of tires which yeah. is absolutely unheard of um and basically he he does seem to be like father first in this scenario um there's this race uh in the rain at Su- Su- uh Suzuka which is extremely common if you watch the Formula 1 series to the point it where there's always rains in Suzuka. Yeah, and they and they do a good job of showing like, oh shit, it's raining. What what are other teams doing? What's the te- what is the strategy here when you have rain? Cuz the, the race don't stop, dude. Like- right. But um what I was re- referencing was um, they're all concerned for Haruka and his decision essentially to go for slicks in basically full wet conditions. Um, he believed that like, oh, it's going to get dry and then, you know, I'll zoom away, which does happen. Um, I think what's really interesting here is like it, Formula 4 in these races, they said are only 20 minutes long. So that's not even like, I would say that's a fourth of the full Formula 1 as far as laps go. Yeah, I think they said 11 laps. Which is why, like, a decision like that is such a big deal versus, like, a full 60-lap uh, circuit. Um, there's plenty of time to, like, pit, switch out for enters, or switch out for full wet tires, and then come back onto the course and do that a couple times per race. Right. Um, but, in the it, like, the decision before the race was so impactful. Um, but the, the dad character was, like, he was going to let him make his decision, but you could tell because his hand was like shaking and stuff like that at different times. After yeah, after he made the decision to cool it, kind of go back like we're we're gonna we're gonna let this race go. It's cool. Yeah, his his hand went on his shoulder and it was quaking for right. sure. And, yeah, and like this show, I think does that so so well. It's the little like little hand movements that people wouldn't maybe no- notice typically or like um. Uh, our main our other main character is a, a photographer so his like finger will be like shaking about to take a picture and i i just love uh, the attention to detail and the attention 
to detail that is required in this story from all involved. There's another character who goes through like a really traumatic big wreck and he's constantly um, after that trying to, to, to like lift too much weight or like get back into the car as fast as he possibly can. And there's a lot of situations where he like, he will do his like his bicep curl with too much weight. And then you'll like see his arm like spaz out or he'll be talking to the girl and he'd be like, you know, uh, I guess maybe I just won't get past Formula Four or something. But you can like see his hands like, like, yeah, he's like quaking and like really uh, tense. And I, I just think they did an incredible job of showing the tension. Um, the I think the the over overwhelming desire that these people have to to like enjoy their t- their sport, but also to win and to move on to the next league. I think. Um, there's another character he's like perpetually bridesmaid essentially like uh, he's a runner up for most of the season yeah he's Tokumaru and he's kind of bit part tsundere but also very much like he's he's wrestling very complexly it's not one note but he like wrestles with the idea of being like second fiddle all the time but it's his particular journey is so fun too because once the so maybe we should back up give a little bit of lay of the land is that um satsuki the kind of golden pretty boy of the belsariso team that he always has the second fiddle and a lot of formula one teams will have like that one-two punch like they'll have their driver out in front second driver support and uh it's just like whoever they you know it's kind of they race for that every so often to see who's faster and uh tokumaru is kind of that second fiddle so at first, he was like wrestling and kind of like gunning to try to be first car. But then halfway through the season, the wreck that Ethan mentioned happens to Satsuki, our, our pretty boy. And he's the one who's hospitalized, leaving Tokumaru to take the mantle, which in and of itself had its own mental hurdles to overcome. So he wanted something so bad. And when he finally got it, he didn't really fully because he's never really been there fully understand what it meant to be out in front you're not chasing you don't have the luxury of chasing you're being chased all the time yeah i think it it really did a great job showing the different pressures you feel throughout a race yeah Um, yeah for example our main character haruka is starting basically 20th in the first couple episodes and having to pass like all these cars and get into like contention um within 11 laps is extremely difficult and so, um, like the, basically through the arc of the season, you see him going from like a eleventh place place finisher all the way up to the top. Yeah, in in like specific races and stuff like that. And it just, I think it, this show, and you said it has so much soul, so much heart. Um, it really is difficult to put into words, but it, it's um, also, I think, I I struggle with motorsports animes a lot of times because it's just like. Like, it's not as cool as Fast and Furious. <laughs> one, you have a good point. When it comes to, like, the one of the things that anime we've always said on this show is you're watching things that you can't really put in real life in a really good way. Motorsports, however, from a formal situation like F1 or GT or anything like that, or something more like a Fast and Furious baby driver, even parts of John Wick, like that's a good point you 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 get all of what cars can do and more fuck fast and furious 
nine and ten are like they're launching cars into fucking space and fucking right. launching them out of the sky and driving down dams and shit or in orbit <laughs> yeah right into orbit you're getting all of the the top tier craziness that you can get out of mot- motorized you know insanity right so for a show to tackle that it has to either a go above and beyond like a red line or it has to come way down and really have a lot of that soul and relatability like overtake and i think they really did a good job showing that in a, in a way that like didn't make the motorsport feel um i don't know dis- devalued like it's still those races it had me hype dude like had me hype as fuck at some points like really rooting for our boy um so i to your point yeah there is a bit of a problem with motorsports in anime because i think they never really commit to one of those extremes because the whole middle is covered by live action content. It just is. Right. Be it real or fiction. I don't know. Well, like even initial D is like so like wow realistic, I guess. It's so like over dramatized almost that it's like this doesn't make sense anymore. Just go this, watch Tokyo Drift. Right. I yeah. would prefer to watch Tokyo Drift. Right. So either get like Drift, <laughs> Drift, Drift, Fast and Furious. Drift. Drift. And that is a teriyaki boys uh original. <laughs> Classic even. Um so I do want to like start getting into a little bit like the what exactly happened to our guy Kyoya. What made him a f- fear the shutter, shutter at the shutter, if you will. Um, and it's uh, it's it's honestly like a really human thing, like yeah, super hard hitting. And I was not expecting. I did not it. expect them, and the way they depicted it, the way that he has his arc to overcome this what can only be described as PTSD is really potent. And it gave a lot of respect to the point where the show even had disclaimers about this episode, various do this episode depicts victims and the disasters of earthquakes. Viewer discretion is advised one very much respect that it's a big common national phenomenon that does happen a lot in Japan's history. So it is something that actually does affect a lot of people in a very devastating way. But our boy Koya is out in a village 12 years ago from the time of this show doing. He used to be a photojournalist. He actually used to go and, uh, you know, cover people, stories and stuff like that. He was out in a small village where a friend of his was kind of a, a local leader of sorts. And while out there, the town was struck by a devastating earthquake and a subsequent tsunami therein. And he actually was feverishly attempting to run down. There's still people down there. We need to go save them. And everyone's like, no, dude, do you see that tsunami? Like, you're going to be dead, too. And he's using his viewfinder and his camera to kind of scope out people. And he sees this girl, her name being Momo, someone who he happily captured just the night prior, or even like just a little bit ago. And he accidentally snaps a picture of her final final moments before the tsunami took her and it destroyed him as as any normal human with a pulse probably would to the point where he felt so compelled to stay there for two unannounced months to help with the rebuild efforts destroying his own marriage in the fucking process and when he did come back he felt compelled i think to publish the picture and he got a lot of fucking heat for that to the point where it was almost career destroying. So 
it kind of really threw his entire life in a loop and experiencing something like that. You can really understand how, you know. Yeah. So he was there taking pictures of like daily life in this city. And then he also stayed and took pictures after the fact as well. Yeah. And so really what I think would be um, a really interesting thought piece, essentially, like if you thought about real life, I would have thought that this would be looked on as like art, very artistic. I can um, seeing yeah. like a before of like this incredibly, you know, picturesque, slow town, you know, that he had like, um, he had pictures of, you know, just a guy carrying wood to his work site or like, um, people at the local bar, right? Like just at the local bar, just shit like hanging that. out. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, a man and his granddaughter and you know, stuff like that. Just like out in the, the wild, and then, like, post-tsunami, like, reconstruction effort pictures, devastation, and then that accidental picture where he got, like, what I would what I would consider, like, distilled fear. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like, my life is over, please save me, kind of look in this girl's eyes. Um, and it was an accident that he got the photo, but he felt compelled to tell her story as best as he could with what he had. Um, and basically there was a lot of pushback once this photo was published and like all the, you know, fucking dumbass internet trolls were like, oh, if you had time to take the picture, you could have gone and saved her. One absolutely go sit on a bag of cactuses. Like if you but have also that, like, yeah, right. But here's the thing, like he actually outlined it very well too, is that the problem and sometimes even the beauty of a photograph is its ability to capture the most infinitesimally small slice of the truth. You don't have context for the picture before or after, and nor do you have the context of the photographer that did the, ta- that did the taking. You only get that, but he said, even so, I, I captured a memory, and she exists in not her, his eyes, but the mind's eye of the community because he did that act. Unpublished, no one would know. Like, or she would have disappeared into the ether. Like, he said, I'm glad I captured her because I have proof that she lived. And I'm like, that, again, it's a very, very weirdly, again, from a show I never expected, quite a nuanced take of the both the good and the potential, not bad, but the, the negativity that can come from photography. Very powerful. Right. Very powerful. I, I think, uh, like, when I think of things like this, it's it's almost like, you know, there was a lot of, like, videos and camera footage of like the twin towers falling uh, 9-11 people like essentially jumping out the window yeah of the tower like 60 stories up so that they wouldn't like die in a different way i think of tenement square like yeah. stuff like that i mean there and again to your point the way you described it earlier was was actually could have been a somberly beautiful display of one side of a museum hall of just just all the people that day that he took pictures of just living their lives, the photo of the girl, and then all of the aftermath, and how qu- and basically give a timestamp for each of them, showing how quick natural disasters can devastate a community. Again, sad, somber, but in a weird way, kind of uh, artistically beautiful in that it's showing the, the raw power that, like, you know, the message he wants to sell, the, the, the natural disasters can uproot an entire... Uh, community within a blink of an eye literally um so i again taken with a lot of maturity and nuance that could be seen as somberly beautiful somber and eye-opening 
but another way in the way that it affected him no one gave a fuck about him the context they saw a picture they had their opinion destroyed him and it had real effects of him in the show like they he got a sponsor because of a photo he took they found out who he was because he was operating under a different name and then they dropped their contract with the team because they didn't give a shit about the context they just gave a shit that had been bad for the brand yeah um i think he didn't maybe change his name enough he did not change his name enough. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my number one, uh, I guess, issue with this. I would is, say go full hog, really change it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or like just put a different like full on pin name for your photography. I, It just didn't seem like... Just an LLC, bud. Like, yeah, it come didn't on. seem like all that reasonable there that he's like, oops, <laughs> I guess I should have told you that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the other thing is I am surprised that they, he was so vilified for the photo because if he was close enough to save her, he would also be dead. And it seems like that right. would be a really easy logic to understand. But like even worse than that, like her entire family, I guess, was mad at him because there is this incredible episode later on where they finally get to the root of this problem he's had. Um, he basically vanishes midway after this, like this sponsor drops and he feels like very personally responsible for that. Um, and also, um, the girl who dies in the photo or dies before, right after the photo, her grandfather is like ill now and he's like basically on his death store and he's gone up to this place again so that he can see him one more time before he goes um, and he's waiting like each day in this town for the family to finally like allow him in to see the grandfather, uh, basically his friend that had brought him up there originally for all the photos. And they finally let him in there. And his uh, his friend is like, hey, Mr. Cameraman or whatever. He's like photographer. Photographer. And dude. he's like, uh, please uh, get my phone really quick. So he opens the phone and it's the picture that he took a selfie with Momo and the grandfather the night before this terrible, terrible event. And just like how they were happy. They were so yeah. happy. And, yeah. and he goes like, Hey man, like basically he, uh, also, uh, Kyoyo had asked him if he would think like publishing the photo would be okay in the, in the aftermath. And he agreed so it was basically like him and photographer against the rest of the entire family and internet. And so um, he felt uh, the the old man felt like responsible a little bit for bringing him into this like this this world of like internet troll fuckery and like being um, vilified by this family, like the rest of the family. But uh, he says, look, I really want you to keep taking photographs and capturing these moments right um and it was it was seriously so moving i was literally crying yeah i it got um, it got tears out of me and i mean especially the juxtaposition of how absolutely unabashedly happy she looked in the photo with her grandfather and kyoya and then how like just utterly terrified she looked in the tsunami photo and like a juxtaposition like that would have been literally incredible for like a um for for like you're saying like a museum situation i went to the uh the 911 museum in new york city uh, yeah we i've been in the past year or so i mean it is just like very very heavy it reminds me a lot of the like holocaust museum in dc as well and 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 the, here's the funniest thing about that is like no one's shitting 
on the the captures of you know the pictures from the Holocaust or the pictures from 9/11 because it's important for the somber nature of it, for the eye-opening nature of it. Capturing it in my mind is, if anything, a neutral act. It is what is done thereafter or how it affects others that it's really kind of the purpose and the context for that capture. And it's important those things are, you know, documented. They need to be to the point where, like, again, and, and the context here is he didn't even mean to cut, he didn't even mean to take that fucking picture. So, I mean, yeah, I, but what actually struck me about, so that's beautiful about the juxtaposition is as the, the same way that that one picture socially kind of scarred him, the memory, that single instantaneous moment of her eyes being just screaming, help me, and so much fear is burned into his head and couldn't cause so much trauma. And yet a single photo can let it all melt away. It really showed the power of photography that a single moment can cause 12 years of a man's life to be in disarray. The same amount of photos, just one photo, can wash that all away, which is very cool to me. And especially kind of broadening back out to like the larger show, it's it wasn't lost on me how much of an like a beautiful pairing it is for photography and formula sports, uh, both activities that require instantaneous amounts of time. Right. Formulas operating under tens and hundreds of seconds between first and second, you know, podium or not. And photography operating under minuscule amounts of time to get that perfect shot. Like it's all the show. They, they managed to take the lens of two acts that require absolute precision to tell tales about two characters, kind of long lingering traumas that they carry with them. And it's it's really kind of a beautiful framing of, you know, how to overcome past past, uh, you know, traumas where those past traumas were literally mere moments, but they're lasting effects. And it takes only just another mere moment for both of them to let that kind of all melt away. And they help each other do that, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, I was going to say is like their, um, I guess, companionship throughout the show is what I think really helps both of them heal. Um, and you you see it, obviously, through Kyoya being able to first take pictures of him. Yes. And, and um, I think when you also just juxtapose the photo of uh, Haruka crying because he, he lost, but he tried really, really hard, and the photo of the girl crying in the tsunami because she's just, like, fucked. Yeah, right, right. Um, it's very... Um, interesting to be able to think about it as like a, from like an artistic standpoint like the act is the same but the reasons are so different and that's what makes photographs so interesting right and like i guess really human emotion so interesting is like you can cry for a variety of reasons right and if you notice if you want to do a parallel there and, and kind of how you know not even context but the perception of such an art form like photography is taken he was put on blast so heavily for a moment of captured of a person crying because of A, without any context, and a person crying because of B landed his, the team a sponsorship, him notoriety, all these good windfall things for the team completely happened. Same act, similar emotion, but the con- it's just 
the people people that gravitated toward those photos took them in completely different ways. They could have been like, that guy was fucking vulnerable. And like, how dare you take a picture without his permission? And with the little girl, it could have been what a what a somber eye opening, you know, take on natural disasters. It could have been so art is so artistic that easily could have been swapped. Right. But again, it's the context is disregarded and the public gravitates towards whatever the fuck the the hive mind thinks and i find that a very interesting uh kind of take in a 2023 world you know i think it's very interesting though in the 2023 world to think that you know oh photographers are on blast or journalists are on blast they can say like really horrific fucking shit and they get like no hate ever yeah right. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. like a protected class it, it felt it feels a little bit ridiculous that he would be put on blast for a photo like that. Like, no, of course, people on X would be eating his shit for lunch. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think the overarching, like, feeling would be, like, this isn't, like, a fucking attack on the little girl. No, right, right, right. Exactly. It's, like, the people... But nowadays, in 2023, people do search out context. I, for uh, Well, sorry. This The places I tend to be online, they typically are like, all right, what's the what's the actual story here? And I think people of our age, millennials, I would say, and you know, Gen Z and, and the rest, I think, would would do a little due diligence, like, all right, what's the fucking story here? It only takes a Google, right? I wonder um if he had had been or had access to the photo of him with the little girl right before, whether right. that would have changed the the way that it was received. I think one hundred percent it would. Yeah, it, like, I wonder. He, like he basically like this, you know. I was here. This natural disaster happened. This beautiful little girl. Like you know, like here's a like. But the thing is, like, wait a minute. That almost made it. Now I'm talking myself and thinking that could have made things way worse. <laughs> like you knew her and you saw her and you did nothing. And I'm like, whoa, like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I I don't know, but it, it's it's there's a lot of really tight visual and narrative parallels here to you know, Formula One, sorry, Formula Four, technically, but Formula Sports, um, and, you know, photography in that nature, and just the way that they play everything into each other, it, it was a shockingly tight package. Like, I almost feel as if that this show went completely disregarded in terms, again, we had a very hype year of anime, and a lot of things finished up and popped off and hit the scene. It wouldn't surprise me that a, that a studio like to, uh, Troika had an original homegrown that had no fan base built in like an anime would with like a manga or a light novel. And, uh, you know, I can see this one getting a little overlooked and absolutely should not be overlooked. Yeah, this deserves your attention. I feel this deserves like some views. Um, I think this was... One of the better looking anime of the year. Genuinely floored by the level of detail in the character Sakuga alone. I mean, it felt frame by frame with I mean, love. the art was just unbelievable. The CGI actually was completely augmentative. I think for motorsports, yeah, CGI was, was a great choice for those cars. Would it be great to have it, you know, 2D animated at that level that we saw the, all the other character stuff? Sure. But if the CGI was there to put all the attention into the character stuff, Great fucking choice. Great. I loved it. Um, um, yeah, I also think anime in general and a lot of studios focus on the eyes a lot. And, I, you know, that was a trope that was employed here, I think, gorgeously, uh, specifically from the idea of, like, through the lens of a photograph, 
Yeah, right. And you know what's funny too? This studio has a very, uh, very interesting signature about how they shade certain things like under the lip and like the bridge of the nose to the point where our one of our characters, Alice, she's kind of head over heels for that Sakuzi kind of guy. Um, and when she went to go visit him in the hospital because she was like pushed into it by Koita and uh, <laughs> the little shade of the bridge of her nose was in the shape of a broken heart. Yeah, I saw when that. she saw all the fangirls praising over uh, Satsuki and she's like, what the fuck am I looking at? Why the fuck did I come here? That was actually kind of a beautiful thing, too. Like she came and really kind of uh, all the fangirls just like fawning over him. But she came and like looked up like the guy that she looks up to that he heard about and used it to kind of encourage him to get back in the game the best he could. All of the relationships that are built in this show, be it friendships, be it what looks like maybe semi-romance, whatever, not only was it taken to any weird extremes, no harem extremes, it all felt so fucking real. So genuine. There wasn't like, oh my God, I'm like, yeah, a girl being head over heels for like essentially a pop star or sports star. Totally, totally believable. But she gets pushed in and then sees him as an actual person when he's a little bit broken. Yeah. Yeah. And and Um, like he becomes more human and they interact in a more meaningful way. And I'm like, that's fucking, that's real. That's a real thing that happens. I love that. The only thing that I think um, could be looked at as a little weird is I don't believe typically formula four people are like 19 years old i was actually gonna ask you about that that I was a blind spot typically much younger oh younger i mean if you're not in formula two by 18 you're not making it to formula one okay and i wonder because i think the only person that we heard was uh tokumaru said he was 19 i think and, and um satsuki actually came to alice Haruki and Haruka and uh, Koda's school. So they could have been even younger. And I presume that Haruka was actually kind of young. Yeah. So th- in that case, it does make sense. Yeah. Like if he's like 16 or something like that, I guess it's possible. Okay. Um, but there was a lot of, I think um, they, they spent a lot of time on Tokumaru and even Sasuke speaking about like, I need to progress quickly here. And unless you know that, um, you know, you've got to keep moving or else you're like, you have no fucking shot. Um, I just wanted to kind of give more information to people who are listening and don't know anything about the formula, you know, series. I'm one of those people. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah. just saying like you should be moving up as fast as you can because really like um, people getting into Formula One for their debut at 21 is pretty old. That's old. Yeah, it's like uh, (laughs) NHL for a long time. It was like 18 was about the time that you start playing or like 18, 19 if you're really, really good. But if you're like 23, 24, like you're kind of an old rookie. Wow. Um, wow. And I think that's the case for NFL and all these other sports as well. Um, That That is true. I know like college people like juniors and even some sophomores will just like immediately I don't know about sophomore, maybe it's a little young, but like, you know, 2021, like the best of college football are like disregarding bowl games because they're committing themselves to the draft right. at that point. So you ha- you make a good point. That's, that's, a, that's a fair shake. Um, I, yeah. I just wanted to provide context because that was a little like of an underpinning plot 
is everyone is like to to move on. I need to start, you know, succeeding now. And I think it added more tension to the show. If you didn't know about this, it would be harder to understand why they're like, why it matters so much. Yeah. Um, also like the way that you win like a formula one season is you score points throughout the season. So you need good placings throughout the entire season. And then there's also, um, what's called a constructors, constructors championship. So a team could win still if both their say like both their drivers did like four and five. Okay. Fifth in the driver's championship their team might still win if like those combined points are more than the other teams combined. Oh, points. I didn't realize that there was like a winning. I knew there was like winning individuals. I didn't know there was like, Oh, this team won this year. Right. And oh, so that's why, uh, like finishing one, two is really important for teams. Cause that's absolute sweeping points. Right. Yeah. You have as, as many points as you possibly can have for your constructors championship. In Formula One, it matters a lot because at the end of the season, you get paid out from the FIA based on your Constructors' Championship standings. Ooh. And between the top and bottom is like billions of dollars difference. Yeah. And, you know, as we wrap up here, they do the one thing about Formula Sports that needs to be said. It is one fucking expensive enterprise like good lord it smells of money even when i went to the circuit of the americas years ago you could smell the money in the air baby there's so much cash good yeah. lord and like they they do a good job in the show like we've said uh, kind of up top right this team being underdog you can have the most talented fucking driver right of all time but if the equipment and, and the resources are just not up to snuff then you can only go so far. And I think that's why I think the very end of this anime is so good because it shows like not just the driver's got his, his headspace locked in. He's dialed way the fuck up. You have, you know, people came together and like gave them just enough money to have all like all the tire room, like headroom in the world to like try to like uh, maneuver on. You had everything replaced and everything is like tip top up to that point. There's the moment where they lose that beverage sponsorship. Like you kind of see that if you'd have like a trajectory of the performance of the uh, Kamaki group, it just like uptrends, uptrends, downtrends back to where they started and then an uptrend again. So, you know, the 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 car, the equipment, the mechanics resources is as much of a pivotal element of the sport as the technique of the driver, which makes it a very unique and fucking pricey sport, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely, I believe, one of the most expensive motorsports possible. Um, and one, I would say, detractor of this of this show would be, like, there was a scene where one of their front wings got fucked up, and he stays out to, to basically try to slingshot his teammate around him. Your wing is fucked. You are dropping like so much time to everybody behind you that you wouldn't even be close to a position to like slingshot anybody. Or there was the scenes where in the full wet conditions they were driving on on slick tires. There would be no traction. They would be off the road in like milliseconds. Like there's just a few things that like technically I don't think are realistic at all. And there was there was like a surprising lack of 
really accidents in Formula Four. Uh, yeah, like they these these drivers suck and their cars suck. They should be wrecking. Yeah, fair, okay, fair. I never seen a Formula Four race in real life. Um, I mean, suck relative to Formula One. Sure, that that was certainly wood track. But I mean, think about Formula One races. People wreck multiple per race. Oh yeah, and they're for the sure. best in the world. Yeah, and I I think that again the the focus they again they this could have been a show that could have sucked all of the drama everything they could possibly have wanted out of the sport itself but they have chosen not to do that and i think it was for the betterment of the story they wanted to tell if you were and it's it showed me that if someone else wanted to tackle a formula one anime there is real legs here you really could make a real ford versus ferrari kind of situation to like Two combatants rush even I think is like the movie that has the two, uh, you know, very famous Formula One racers. Historical, you could you could fucking retell that in an anime. I don't know the names. You could you probably know the names that I don't. Well, what's funny is they were talking about them this whole show. Oh, is it Nick Lowry and uh, uh, well, Nick, <laughs> nope? Well, help me then. James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda, that's his name. Okay, <laughs> Nick yeah. Lowry. Nick Lowry. <laughs> you know him, the third guy, the third James wheel. Hin. I'm just happy to be here, guys. Nick Lowry. Uh, no, but I I just think think that. Uh, I think what would have been really interesting is imagine if they had done Talladega Nights anime before it had come out. I think that would have ripped like a motherfucker. It would have been so fucking awesome. Genuinely, it still could be. Yeah, I mean. So, uh, again, like any other sport anime, the sport itself provides ample drama. If anything, you're almost paring away all of the the full context of the drama to make a really tight narrative. You could do that with formula one with your eyes gouged out and all of your limbs tied behind your back and you could still make it work. Like, oh my. Oh yeah. It's violent because it's a violent fucking sport. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of like the formula one drivers. I may not know much, but I know that they can be kind of like literal, like, uh, you know, up thrown asses level of narcissistic and they're like, all diva bitches, all diva bitches, Absolute right? Diva roaches. Um, I do. I want to say like, as a sports show, I do really like the comparison to like a high Q. They there's, um, of course the sport is really important in both of these shows, but it's really like the people involved that are the main characters, the main like driving forces. <laughs> I see what um, you did there. That's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and also like that, that sting of defeat that you see in each of these episodes where like somebody's crying because they lost, like that was always the big hitters in high Q episodes. Like you've got the, the, whatever you would call the seniors or whatever, third years in yeah, high Q yeah. when they lose a fucking game, they're like, God damn it. This that was, was my it. La- that was my last first game of the season. Right. Like, right. This and, is my last spring tourney. Right. right. And so those moments really hit really fucking hard. And I think that idea of like, I might not get another chance is what made a lot of this show also great is because to- Tomaki, whatever the fuck his name was, uh, to- Toru. Oh, you're talking about uh, Tokumaru? Yeah. Yeah. He was very much on that wavelength and in like giving yourself um, there. There's this whole like sub arc where it's basically like I'm beating myself. 
Um, that is extremely important in sports, and I think they just did this really, really well. I think the art was absolutely incredible. I think it was one of the better looking shows of the year. I think the designs were incredible from like a like people perspective, and like oh yeah, everything looked great and realistic. Um, I think the rain effects were incredible. The water reflections and like effects were yeah, incredible. CGI was extremely tastefully done. Even if it was a cost saving measure, I think it's it let them do the the character animations incredibly well to give a lot of depth and heart to this kind of show like this. And the CGI itself was actually pretty like well above average, top tier maybe not, but for a studio like uh, Troiku, like Troika, whatever the fuck, sure. That you did a, you did an absolute bang up job on all fronts, and for this to be homegrown, fuck man, like you're in this, like you're good, like I don't know, I love to see more more shows like this, like take a slice of life angle of like a niche sport or hobby, and you know really send the send the the focus onto the characters, onto the individuals involved in this hobby and their mentalities. You you have a banger every time. You have a banger every single time. I mean, I really think this is like uh, an idea that is played with a lot, like Hikaru no Go or uh, Hajime no Ippo, like stuff yeah. like that. Um, I would like to see a, like a fishing anime or something just like absolutely bonkers Yo, give weird. Me a big bass fishing. You know what anime, I mean? Or like baby. a big deep sea fishing or oh, like fuck, a deadliest catch the anime. <laughs> give me Ice Road Truckers the yeah, anime. Oh hey, yeah, he's <laughs> like, all right, big buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Baka, yeah, or or whatever, not or like I care. Whatever. You don't even um, care, dude. Yeah, I, th- I I think this is a dark horse for me for the year. Honestly, it was so well done, so beautiful, so like impactful in twelve episodes. It's up there, man. Um, of course, I love the the formula series. Typically, I hate the FIA, but um, it's very similar to like a FIFA. If any of you guys watch, uh, yeah, football. I was getting that energy from you just now. It's like the sport, great, the people in it. Fun to watch. The organization, absolute hellhole of uh, just terrible people. I think a lot of uh, leagues are in the same scenario where like everybody hates the FIA, everybody hates FIFA, and everybody hates the NCAA. And, Um, you know, Goodall's got a great script this year. Yeah, yeah, that little fucker. That piece of shit. But anyway, scoring time. I honestly, I want to give this, man, it is, I, I have no other reason not to give it a 90 out of 100 wow i love that because I, I i can't genuinely think it's tight it's 12 eps it is completely homegrown so it's a begin middle end there's no lingering bullshit any gripes we can think of is a is a mere contrivance to tell the story they wanted to was very planned or it's a nitpick like i found it maybe it was a little odd the way that they could have remedied both of their particular traumas you know the way they did it could have been done a long time ago but you know what it was beautiful for the way they told it in the story, but me and Ethan were talking off, talking off mic. It, sometimes you get stuck in that trauma. You get stuck in your rut, in your own head, and sometimes it takes someone else to snap you out of it. Someone new, fresh eyes. So there is, there is no reason I can give this anything less or more than a 90 out of 100. Yeah, we were toffing off screen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just toffing. Gu- <laughs> uh, we were just toffing it up, dude. This oh. show is the toff of the town. We were, we were making toffee yeah. and then also drinking a coffee. Um, and, and we then were we were ju- talking about the show. <laughs> There's not another word in my head that rhymes with coffee. Watching Giraffe. That nice. Thank dude, you. Nice. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give this listening to Loffy. 
That's an artist. Okay, you gotta help me with that one, but cool. <laughs> she's like a weird, like almost scat jazz chick. Say less, dude. Uh, Let's she's go. odd, but Skibbity Bop a score this show. She just dude. did a tiny desk uh <laughs> concert. Um, I'm gonna give this one a 92. I do not know what I gave Freyrin, but this feels weirdly up there. Similar for some reason. It's it's you, not fantasy based, no. but there's so much heart to this show. I just like when I said that to you earlier, like I don't know how to expound upon that in any deeper like sentiment or like eloquently, more eloquently, but I'm trying to sh- to explain this to y'all. It is such a deep show cuz in it, a weird way. It 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 doesn't overstay its welcome, but the beats that it hits hits so good. And it never, you know what a part of it too is? Look, if you can make me cry in 12 episodes, you've done a great job. You've done a great fucking job. And it doesn't, it doesn't linger on its success. I think a lot of shows I've seen in the past that have these big emotional beats, these big character moments, they really, they, they give it a big ado. Like they did this big, huge ado. And there's a lot of pomp and circumstance leading up to and thereafter, like they're like, they're almost patting themselves in the back or they're really revving it up to that big moment. Both Freyrin and Overtake both have multiple of these big, beautiful moments, but they don't linger on it much like life doesn't linger on those big things either. Like real good core, uh, profound human interaction can happen in the smallest places or between unlikely people or in just everyday situations. And they do a really good job of making those things feel as natural as possible. And they hit all the more. It feels like you can see this happening right in not not even necessarily in your life but you can see this happening you know in it just around i don't know it's again when you try to the closer you're trying to get to the core of it you're right i can't the words escape so the only thing i can say is go fucking watch this show it's yeah, give it a chance it's genuinely it's a real late entry to the 2023 catalog started in october it it's honestly such a sublime surprise to to get something like this at the at the very tail end of the year and i really hope that in our in some small way that we can kind of get the word out this show if you've not seen it is is quite a lovely experience it deserves a watch it deserves nothing less than your full undivided attention i'm talking to you you know who i'm talking to get the fuck off your phone Go watch a show. I know it's on right now because you did turn it on. We told you to, but you're scrolling through X and you're scrolling through. Inst- I'm sorry. Angry Ricky might be back in 2024. Yeah, are you okay? Man? Angry Ricky might be back in 2024. I just got scared. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? Thank you for coming to one of the last, nearly last class of 2023. I think we'll think of maybe like one or two left to do. We may take one of the weeks off for the holidays just to enjoy time with the fams. Um, but we might cook up like a year in review or something like that. Some kind of fun, like maybe. You know what I'd like to maybe do while we're on there? What we should t- we should talk about if we uh all the times we said Dark Horse this past year. Were we right? <laughs> like the Dark Horse review. Interesting. Yeah. And maybe we we take a little time. Maybe the, and then we can take a week off. I don't know. Like, What's funny about Dark Horse is, is you if you start in January, it's like of course they're not gonna persist. We don't know. Like maybe they were big hits and we we called it early. Yeah. We just have to go back into our uh year preview or the previews of each season and see That's which a we, good point. We see which ones we maybe this could be a dark horse. We'll, we'll see right. what happens. You know, we'll we'll come up with some shit. We're just we're just scatting ourselves around spitballing. Yeah, spitballing. But uh thank you very much for coming to class. If you would like to talk about like maybe actually you went and watched overtake and you had some thoughts, 
come to the you know come to the discord we recently had someone new come in creamed poof thank you for jump for coming in he spells it with an o or she i don't know but uh it spells it with a poof <laughs> a little bit of sass on it but uh you can join that too uh patreon.com slash ebology one dollar up get you into the discord with cream poof all of the all the good fans <laughs> and the lovely patreon uh, uh folk that are in there and past guests as well and if you want uh some more you know content you're already in a platform guys Angry Ricky might be back 2024, but you know what? We're still calm. It's holiday time, baby. I'm a holiday ham. Just go over and down, and you got over 230 aught some uh, hours of content that you can go ahead and listen to while you're doing nothing on your, you know, family couch trying to just get through the holidays. If you're someone that, you know, or on your long drive up to wherever you're going, or awesome, down to yes. wherever you're going. Yes, we know you got to travel. We know you're on planes, trains, and everything in between. Listen to us there. We'll keep you company. Trains, it's planes, and cranes, like everybody if, else. And cranes? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Like everybody. You gotta go to the 70th floor to see your family that lives in an apartment. <laughs> Hi, fam. It's just like just swinging you up. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! If you want to contact us, if you want to give us like, comments, and subscribes, and you do that, or if you just want to, you know, check out a little bit of merch, you're feeling, you know, holiday peckish. Get, Get up that website, one. boys and goys. Yep. Webology.com. Um, and I think that is it. I'm going to go edit this and uh, kind of ham up. That's my holiday version of uh, going to get cozy. Just ham up. Ah. Yeah. And, but uh, until I feel a little bit less like festive meats, I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And this is Billy Bology. Deuces. You feel like a ham I'm a cold, cold, cold. You're a cold cut? <laughs> yeah, cold cut. <laughs> <laughs>